All right, Romans part two. We're going to continue to study the book of Romans together, and we'll be in chapter seven tonight. And so what we like to do here is crack open the Bible and study it together and try to listen to the Lord. We believe he speaks to us through the scriptures. We believe that the Bible speaks with the authority and relevance of Jesus himself, and so we want to listen to him. We want to hear what he has to say to us. There are some Bibles close to you, and you can grab one of those black Bibles. If you don't have your own, I encourage you to open it up to Romans chapter 7. We'll be on page 943. It might be, we might be getting close to 944 now. Page 943, 944 in Romans chapter 7. We're calling it this week, Struggle. Struggle. Um, as I counsel people that come in and are struggling with certain areas of sin in their life, there are two kinds of people, uh, roughly can be categorized in two categories. And that is the person that's numb, that kind of doesn't care, and the person that's in tears and in anguish and struggling to do what God has asked them to do. And so I just ask you in the beginning, kind of where are you? Where are you with sin in your life? Are you actually struggling with it? Do you have a desire to do what God says is right in your life? Or are you like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to coast. Things are fine. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, I believe that chapter 7 is describing this struggle, this fight in our life to do what's right. And in the midst of that fight, in the midst of that struggle, we can become exasperated by our own weakness, our own inability to do what we want to do. Now, just to be clear before we get into it, there are two major interpretations of this text. I said last week, chapter 7 is one of the most disagreed upon texts in the Bible. Uh, And so the first interpretation is that this struggle is a struggle before someone comes to trust in Christ. That's one major interpretation. There's really like seven, but two major ones, right? One is that this struggle is about a person struggling before they meet Christ. And when they meet Christ, the struggle's over, right? Everything's cool. And then the second interpretation that I'm going to emphasize is that this is the ongoing struggle that even after we've met Christ, there's still sin in our life. And so we know both things are true in a sense, and I emphasize the second interpretation because I think it can can swallow up the first as well. Because it says in Colossians, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to walk in him. So there's this pattern set there that like, just the same way you met Christ, keep walking with him in that way, right? The gospel is not just a door into faith. It's not just, now I believe Now that I believe, I can start working some other system where it's all about me and my own strength and my own effort. No, you you continue to have to live by faith, by belief, by the Spirit, by God's strength and not by your own strength. That's described in Galatians as well where it says, if you began with the Spirit, why would you now lean on your flesh? And the concept is you should continue in the Spirit. So, All that to say that I believe the second interpretation that says this is really about the ongoing struggle of the Christian life fighting against sin that's still there, I think accounts for both interpretations because we meet Jesus that way, we struggle and recognize our need for him, and then we keep walking with Jesus that way. We struggle and keep recognizing our need for him. We keep needing him every day, and I hope that's your experience, that you wake up tomorrow saying, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this without you. So let's read the text together, Romans 7, verses 13 through 25. Starting in verse 13, he says, Did that which is good then bring death to me? So remember last week he just said the law is good. So did that good thing bring death? Literally, did it become death to me? By no means. It was sin. 
producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So he's saying what the law does is it magnifies and shows how, how sinful sin really is, that we're falling short of the glory of God, as he said in Romans 3. So in verse 14 he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So you see this struggle, this, this conflict within him. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Let me pray and ask God to help us. As I said, this is a tough passage, um, so we are going to ask his spirit to, to help us make it through, to hear what we need to hear from this section. Um, God, we, we do ask for your help. We pray for your spirit to meet us here. I pray for myself that you'd help me to not get in the way of what your word says, uh, but that I would help to make it more clear. And we pray that your spirit would awaken our hearts. You would give us a sensitivity to you. Help us not to be numb, Lord, but help us to be tender towards you, to listen to you. Help us to be the kinds of people that, that want you to instruct us and, and want you to challenge us. We thank you for the grace you give us in Jesus. That helps us to trust you, to know that it's worth it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the context is, is pretty important here in this section. As I said, last week he said that the law is actually good, right? But even though the law is good, it can't save us. So I don't know if any of you were here last week. I think some of you were here. I see some faces that were here last week. The law is good. It's righteous. It's holy. We want to do what the law says, but we can't do it, and the law can't save us. So remember last week I said that people were following Paul around and basically saying that Paul was bad-mouthing the law. Paul was tearing down the law. Paul didn't care about God's standards in the law. And and nothing could be farther from the truth. Paul's just saying, no, the way you're going to actually fulfill that morality is through grace. It's this other system. When you're walking up to the law saying, I and my flesh will keep the law, you're still under your flesh. You're still under the power of sin which indwells your flesh. But grace moves us into a completely different system. And grace says, no, Jesus fulfilled it for you. And so that continually washes over our hearts and our thoughts so that we now desire to do what's right in, in a new way. And he uses this, this language of the new covenant that's talked about other places, the New Testament, where it says that basically instead of the law being this thing over there written you know, on stone, this written code, it's now written on our hearts. It's this new covenant. We have a new heart. We're being We're being remade from the inside out. And so in chapter 6, we saw this picture that we are to reckon ourselves, consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. He said also in chapter 6 that instead of giving our members or our body over to sin, we are to give our body over to righteousness. 
And so that process, that everyday process of me saying, today I'm going to give myself over to what's right instead of to what's wrong, I believe is what Paul's talking about here. As I said, some people would say, no, this is him talking about it before he met Jesus. But I would say, well, I think there's a, there's a repeat of some of that same process every day of our life, where every morning I have to get up and say, okay, God, sin looks real attractive. Sin looks really pleasing. But I know that really you're better. And so I have to kind of keep taking my faith out of sin and keep putting my faith back into Jesus. When I look at the law, I have to recognize again, man, I'm, I'm falling far short of that. But thanks be to God, in Christ Jesus my Lord, he will save me out of that chasm, that difference between what I do and what the law says. So the first thing I want us to see as we move through this in order is that I don't understand the struggle. And this really jumped out at me, I think, because I'm a person that loves to understand things. Um, so I, I love to know things. I love to figure things out. And I think that's part of how God led me into wanting to be a Bible teacher is I wanted to know what the Bible said and I want to be able to explain it to other people. And so that's deeply wired into just who I am. And what we have here is probably one of the smartest guys in biblical literature saying, I don't understand. And I think that's really important for us to just pause and recognize this. This is a guy who's a Pharisee, and that means they had the Bible memorized, right? Like, I can recall, you know, there's this phrase in this book, but, but he literally had the Bible memorized. He, he knew it upside down and backwards. He was a brilliant, brilliant man. We see him talking in Acts about how he's also read the Greek poets and the Greek plays. I mean, he's a very well-educated man. He's a smart man. He understands things. And he's saying, I don't understand sin. I don't understand when I look at the law, this righteous, beautiful standard of what God tells me to do, but then I, I don't do what I want, I do what I hate. And so I hope you can relate to that. I can certainly relate to that. It's, it's a frustrating thing. And I think a lesson for us here, an application for us here, is we can't under, understand our way to heaven. We can't understand our way to righteousness. Now, there's, there's a lot of important things for us to understand, right? We are a Bible church. So every week, I'm going to come up here and try to help you understand the Bible, right? I'm going to try to help you understand the gospel. So understanding is important, but it can't get you all the way home. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing here. You can't understand your way into heaven. Ultimately, you need someone from the outside to come rescue you, and that someone is Jesus. It's not your own brain. It's not being smart enough to figure out your way to heaven, but it's Jesus coming in and rescuing you. And that's ultimately where this passage is going. That's where this ends with Paul saying, wretched man that I am, who's going to rescue me? Jesus. Jesus is going to rescue me. So do we want to be smart? Yes. Do we want to understand things? Yes, we want to understand things. But that can't get us all the way home. I was thinking about this in, the, in terms of shortcuts. How many of you like to take a shortcut? Like you figure out a, a shortcut to get around some bad traffic and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I'm beating everybody else, right? It's pretty fun. Um, there's this one shortcut that's like a major shortcut in Texas um, it is the toll road that you can take to the airport, right, from Georgetown to the Austin airport. And it's awesome because you can, that's the highest posted speed limit in the nation, 85 miles an hour, which I think, I don't, I need to talk to some cops afterwards. I think that equates to actually 89, really, that you can actually go. Is that how that works? Well, anyway, it says 85, and that is the highest posted speed limit 